0: today we have a guest speaker. His name is Bart. He is a friend of mine that I met um, probably 15 years ago, and it was through athletics. He was coaching at West Liberty, and I was running at Mechanicsburg, and um, it was just fun. And I have my side of the story, he has his side of the story, but there's still facts. <laughs> right? Right? So what it comes down to is the way I like to share this story is this, is he, he was not a Christian because he didn't like me. And I was not a Christian because I didn't like him. But the fact of the matter was he always hated that he could never have a thrower in track that could beat me. And um, he never, never beat me in the OHC districts or regionals, but we never faced you at districts. But... Um, we, we started this um, competition from really my sophomore year through my senior year, and we'd always walk past each other, and we would kind of just give each other snarky looks, and we would, we would do the political talk, right? Just the political talk, like, well, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? Okay, whatever. And then we'd go, we'd go and he would always coach the second-place thrower, and then I would always walk off the champion, that's the way it was. That's okay. God bless you. So then finally, finally what ended up happening, my, my senior year in the passing, I was at Starbucks or somewhere and rumor had it that he was a pastor, rumor. It was just strictly rumor. And it was a rumor on his behalf that Joey loved Jesus. So then I was at Starbucks and I said, rumor has it that you're a pastor and he said, rumor has it, you're a Christian. And we became instantly best friends. We said, did we just become best friends? So then we hugged and we hung out ever since then. And what was, what, what's really been um, fun since that point is nothing to do with track or even my side of the story of how it went. But Bart's really poured into my life with youth ministry and teaching me And um, one of the strongest things he ever told me um, as a young Christian, he said, Joey, you can't live by your testimony, or you can't always teach out of your testimony. You can't live on your testimony alone. And what he was begging me to do is to read my Bible. Read your Bible so that you can teach people about the Bible, just not your testimony, because your testimony testimony only goes so far. And uh, that stuck with me. And it challenges me to this day. And that was probably um, 10 years ago that he shared that with me. So there were other things that um, I will not share today. But um, Bart, why don't you come on up here? Give it up for Bart. The good thing, and I know he'll probably have to share a little bit of his story, but the good <laughs> thing about coming in second place is you, you still are the first place loser. That's true. So uh, <laughs> that's true. let's pray for Bart. He needs it, right? (laughs) That's right. God, I thank you for Bart. Uh, More than the joking, God, I thank you for his heart. I thank you for your faithfulness in his life, the things that you've redeemed him from. God, the way that um, you've never left him, you've never forsaken him. I thank you for his desire to teach others and to disciple. I pray that today that you just bless his words. God, that um, our hearts would be fertile ground, that fruit and growth would come. Thank you for this man. In Jesus'
1: name, amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Love you. All right. I'll tell you the truth. So I won't waste my time talking a lot about track and field because we want to talk about Jesus, but I will tell you about how awesome your pastor is. Um so I did coach at Wesley. By the way, first time I've ever been applauded in Mechanicsburg. <laughs> Never thought that day would come. Thank you so much. God is real. <clears throat> but Joey was a thorn in my side. You know? Um, he did beat all the junior high throwers when he was in high school. And so that was pretty cool. And I, I encouraged him. I was like, good job, wow, that's neat. Um and the thrower he's talking about that he beat was the state champion. So good job you beat him when he was a sophomore and you were a senior. Um, besides all that, one cool thing about your pastor is that I wanted to really not like him. I tried very hard to not like him. Because who here is from Mechanicsburg? You know what's indoctrinated into us, right? Well, Liberty Mechanicsburg, it's like Ohio State and Michigan. You're just not allowed to like each other, and you grow up that way, and I really didn't want to like him, but Jesus made it so hard because I I heard him talking about Jesus, and then I was like, what are you doing, Lord? And then it's true. We walked into Starbucks, which it's, I mean, I'm going to be at Starbucks, um, and and we talked about the Lord, and he's right. We become instantly... Uh, best friends, great friends, and the Lord has done a lot of good things since, and And here he grew up, grew up in Mechanicsburg, but let me tell you, <clears throat> at a time when a lot of high school boys and girls were doing terrible things, I know that that young man lived for the Lord, and it impressed me, and so you have a wonderful pastor and a wonderful pastor's wife. More a wonderful pastor's wife, <clears throat> but so be it. Um. So I got a weird title for my message today. Joey's like, uh, we're doing a series on Jesus is, and uh, what do you want to talk about? And it's funny because as I read scripture and I love the word of God, I realize how unrealistic God is. I don't know if you've noticed that, but he's very unrealistic. Like reality, if we're basing things on reality, we're talking about a guy that put a fireball in the sky, and that's what warms you. That's what gives us light. And there's a a fire, I don't know if you guys saw it this morning, there's a fireball floating in outer space, and we just go in circles around it, and it never burns out. That's pretty unrealistic, right? Even science to this day is like, "Ah, we don't know how it got there, something just exploded and it happened. Um, And then then we've got all these creatures and animals and trees and plants and and just amazing. That's how unrealistic our God is, because you can't do any of that. Can you? You can, and uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about some more unrealistic stories of uh, of God and Jesus Christ. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about myself, real quick. You remember when you're a kid and you're fearless, you know, and you do um, stupid things. Can I say stupid here? Okay, and you do stupid things. See, there's a difference between. Stupid and and ignorant. Ignorant means you don't know. Stupid means you know, and you do it anyway, right? And so sometimes, um, by the way, hello, Martha. Um, Sometimes we can be stupid. And I used to, uh, we have this jungle gym. And at the top of our jungle gym, and by the way, anybody that grew up in the 80s, you've had this jungle gym. It got really rusty, and you cut yourself on it every time you played on it. And so at the top of this jungle gym, which at the time seemed like 20 feet in the air, but honestly was probably six feet in the air, I would do flips off of it. I'm a smidge over 200 pounds now, and there is no way I would ever attempt such a thing. I'm a f- I would not jump off of this right here. <laughs> no way. Um, I might break. And so I am scared of heights. Scared of heights so much that there's a place called Cedar Point and a place called King's Island, and those are just places to go to buy really expensive food. Because I'm not riding any of that stuff. Have you guys been on any of those rides? There was, am I wrong? Was there a ride called Demon Drop at one point? Who would ride such a ride and then call themselves a Christian? That is unbelievable. But, but, but these rides are scary to me. At one time, I had a panic attack riding the Vortex. And it was, it, you know, when you ride that ride, it's like click, click click, which is just reminding you that there's just a chain keeping you alive. (laughs) Click, click. And there was a, one of my best friends was with me on that ride, and his name was J.J. Jenkins. And he is Stu's nephew, which will make sense here in a second. So as we're going up, click, click, click. He knows I'm afraid. He talked me into riding this ride, by the way. He's like, You'll be safe with me, man. And J.J. looks like Boo Radley from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, this big husky guy. And he's like, get in here, man. And, 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 and he's my bodyguard. And click. And I'm just sweating bullets. And he's like, you're good. You're good. And we're almost to the top. And, you know, it gets real quiet. And then he goes, we're going to die. <laughs> Full-blown panic attack the entire time. And that is Stu's nephew. Runs in the family. All right. That is unrealistic. That is crazy. I don't want to do stuff like that. However, I did something even dumber. So <clears throat> I was the youngest child in my household, which means nothing I got was new. Anybody, anybody the youngest? And if you grew up in the 80s, you got these jeans and they had really hard patches on them because your brother got a hole in it. And when you got it, it had this really cool patch. That might be cool now, but that was not cool in the 80s. Um, and so I had all these hand-me-down clothes and everything, but I also had a hand-me-down bicycle. Anybody ever have a hand-me-down bicycle? Yeah. Yeah, because evidently at my house, could not afford more than one bike. So I had this really sweet bike, <clears throat> and I happened to watch a TV show called Happy Days. Anybody ever seen Happy Days? Some of you people in here have no idea what Happy Days is. You should find out what Happy Days is. There's a guy named Fonzie, and Fonzie liked to ride a motorcycle, and he liked to jump stuff. And I was looking at that rusty old Huffy bike, and I was like, I can jump stuff. Yeah. And then, anybody ever seen the movie Grease 2? All right. Listen, I understand Grease 2 is a movie that you're ashamed that you like, because you're like, first off, I don't like Grease 2, Grease 1 or nothing. And then you're like, I mean, not Grease 1. Uh, Grease 2 has motorcycles in it and when I was a kid, we also had one TV which means what everybody watched, you watched so I watched Grease 2 and there was a guy in there that was a cool rider he had a motorcycle and he liked to jump stuff I can jump stuff so I blame what's about to happen on Happy Days and Grease 2 okay? so I got that healthy bike and uh, it was a really cool bike little rust, the seat was all worn out right, and the chain slipped all the time And I thought, there's a mad river running through West Liberty. I think I could jump that thing. So I went out to Lions Ballpark, and my friends and I built a ramp. And keep in mind, none of us have been in geometry yet. (laughs) And so we don't know anything. That's called ignorance. We haven't been taught yet how this stuff works. But we were aware of a thing called gravity. Gravity. And, uh, and so I volunteered cause I was fearless at the time. I'm like, I can jump this man. I get enough speed. So we're building this ramp out of, um, I don't know, trash parts, like stuff you find. And you're like, this would be a good ramp. And this thing, the thing looked, the thing looked scary and I'm not sure it held completely together. I don't know what happened at one point. Um, <clears throat> but we caught all of our friends and, uh, by the way, anybody 28 and younger, this is how you used to call people. <sighs> That's just three numbers. I'm not even done. And if it's long distance, oh my goodness. And so you, ca- and, and you call your friends up, everybody in West Liberty. And you're like, listen, it's going down at Lions Ballpark tonight at 3.30 because I got to be home before dark. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to jump Mad River. Everybody knew, everybody in town knew I was going to bring the county to its knees. So we get out there finally. We've got the ramp built. I've got the Huffy bike that I put some spray paint on. It looked good. Um, (laughs) My older brothers have some sense to them, and so they're telling me how dumb this is. They're like, this is so stupid, Bart. You don't know. You've never jumped anything in your life. You've got this old, junky, huffy bike with a broken chain, and you're about to jump Mad River. Look, it's too far. The ramp is junk. Whoa! yeah, do it, man. You can do it. You can do it. And uh, I thought, yeah, I can do it. My older brothers are behind me now. Let's do this thing. So anyway, I get this this speed going. If you know anything about Lions Ballpark, there's this little tiny hill. And if you hit it right, you can turn, and then you can jump this ramp and and go completely, I mean, soar over Mad River. Well, let me tell you how it really went. And Joey could probably tell this story perfect, um, but I'll tell it truthfully too. I'm not sure what happened after the bicycle tire hit the ramp, but this is how far I went. I landed on the bank and then rolled into the water the closest bank, and then rolled into the water. And I looked at that awesome bike, and the handlebars were bent, and the the front tire was bent, and at 10 years old, I retired from being a daredevil. (laughs) West Liberty was not brought to its knees. About three people showed up, and they were all girls, and I never dated again, (laughs) because the word spread everywhere. But that was unrealistic. It was unrealistic that I could take these junky parts, this junky bike, and jump mad river, uh, especially at Lions Ball Park where you cannot get any speed at all. Um, and my brothers loved it. It was a, it was a great thing for them. They, they thought it was amazing. But again, gravity, what goes up must come down, and sometimes it hurts to try stuff. Sometimes it hurts to try things. <sighs> Good stuff. Did you know that your Savior is unrealistic? That God is unrealistic? I'm going to tell you a few stories because you might be sitting there right now with kind of like a little religion in you that's like, nobody's saying my God's unrealistic. I think he'll tell you that his ways are not our ways, right? I think he will tell you how great and mighty all this creation and all these things are, especially when he asks people to do things that have never been done before. For instance, everybody know about Adam, right? I mean, literally, uh, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, you read about Adam. Adam, got, this is what God did. Anybody here ever make a human before? Okay, God, no, no comments. So God reaches in the ground, picks up dirt, and makes man, right? And that man is Adam. And, uh, and, and then he breathes life into Adam, The cool thing about this is that we're going to go back to the dirt at some point. But our breath, the breath in us, the breath of life does not go back there. It goes somewhere else. And so God creates man. And then he's like, God said the most truthful thing ever that could be said on this planet. It is not good for a man to be alone. He knew right away we needed a babysitter. And... (laughs) I mean, he did. He's like, I don't know about, I don't know about everybody else, but this is going to have a hard time by himself here. So he created woman out of Adam's rib. And you know, the joke, she's been a pain in our side ever since I didn't say it. It's not my joke. It's Joey's joke. Um, so God creates Adam creates Eve. And here's what's crazy. Here's the, here's the thing that's unrealistic. Who'd he put in charge? You, you can say it out loud. Adam, he's like, subdue the garden. Take care of it. Da, 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 this is... Br- uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> that tree right there, don't eat from that tree. And you all know, growing up, don't touch that burner. Ow! Right? So don't eat from that tree. And then who, I'm not blaming, I'm not pointing fingers. Who ate from the tree? Uh, a, a man said woman. Correct. <laughs> Women are like, where are you going with this? <clears throat> I don't know, and I'm scared. Um, so I'm just telling the truth. I did not write the Bible. Uh, take it up with God. So Adam is in charge, right? Am I wrong? He's in charge to subdue the garden, to watch over it, to take care of it, and, and to be head over the woman. But she, I'm sorry, took the fruit and ate it. And then Adam took the fruit and ate as well. We knew right away. Three chapters in to this gigantic book that man cannot do a lot of things without God, right? Three chapters in, we messed it all up, or did we? Here's what's unrealistic about God. He asked us to do things that um, oftentimes nobody has ever done or seem impossible by us. To subdue the garden at first, Adam was probably like, yeah, I can do that. Just don't eat from that one tree. That's the one rule. Are you kidding? I've got this. But then there is this other person he cannot control, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Tara, cover your ears. Um, but this is how this works. We can't control anybody. You cannot control your children. Children are going to make their decisions, right? You cannot control a spouse. You cannot control a parent. You can't control anybody, and so something might sound easy. Being a parent, who uh, anybody ever listened to Stephen Furtick, pastor? He, his message last week was funny because he said, I wish I would have wrote a How to Be a Parent book before I had kids because it would have been marvelous. Because once you have kids, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> don't know how to do this. Right? Right? Amen? And, and sometimes that's how it works because you, you're not in control anymore. I wonder what God thinks when he looks down at us and he, he could take control of us, but he loves us so much, he allows us to have a free will. That's how much he loves us. Anybody here, a parent and their kids ever tell you they love you without being prompted to do so? Doesn't that feel good? So anybody that wonders why God gave us a free will, it's because he wants love back genuinely. He wants you to, you don't have to, you don't have to love him back. He wants love back though. So that's awesome too. Here's another cool story. Anybody ever hear of a guy named Noah? Gosh, let's go through that real quick. Genesis chapter six God asked Noah to build an ark. What's an ark? No one has ever built an ark before. Genesis chapter six Noah built an ark. Um, why? Wouldn't you ask why? Let's be honest, because some of us, God asks us to do stuff, and it might be simple like go talk to the neighbor. Noah had to build an ark, and we're having a fit talking to the neighbor. We're like, he moves on my side of the property. But God sometimes will still call us to talk to the neighbor. But here's Noah, and he's like, build an ark. An ark has never been built before. Tr- try it. Six chapters in, no one's ever built an ark before. And by the way, what is an ark? An ark is a boat, right? To, because, because of why? Why did Noah have to build an ark? Anybody know? Why? Flood, Yeah. Is going to rain, and there was going to be a flood. So it makes sense. Noah, I want to save you. I want to save your family. There's going to be rain and a flood coming. By the way, before this occurred, there had never been rain or a flood before. So this is very unrealistic. I want you to understand this. If it had never rained, and there had never been a flood before, and God said, hey, I want you to build an ark, would you think God's crazy? It's okay to say yes, because sometimes God operates in crazy. He does. He's unrealistic. And so Noah is asked to build this ark, and, uh, and he's asked to do it because of flood's here. But it gets even better. If you, if you slow down Scripture when you're reading it, boy, it gets really good. Because um, then he has an assignment. God says, hey, go and tell everyone that I told you that it was going to rain and, 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 and that a flood's coming and that they need to get on the boat. Right? Everybody seen Evan Almighty? Well, the Bible's real, um, so so read it. Um, but but convincing people to get in this boat because a flood's coming that has never happened before and it's going to rain and what's rain? People didn't listen to Noah, did they? They thought he was a lunatic. When you spread the gospel, when you tell people about how good Jesus is, don't some of your friends think you're a lunatic? Right? You, like you threw your anybody ever heard this? You threw your brains away. I feel like I just got brains when I got Jesus, like I feel like I never used them before until I got the Savior in my heart. And so sometimes God will do things like this, put us in a position that we might look stupid. Why would God want us to look foolish and stupid? Did a flood come? Did it rain? Did Noah look foolish and stupid then? I do know. Sometimes God puts us in situations that we might go, God, look how silly this is going to look and appear to everyone else. God's like, I'm not worried about appearance to everyone else. Watch how I show off. Watch what I do. But it gets even better. Listen, we, we skim past Noah's Ark, right? And we tell it in Sunday school. And we, but listen, it gets better. Then <clears throat> Noah has to sit there and still listen. And God says, oh, yeah, by the way, <clears throat> after you do that, I need two of every unclean animal and seven of every clean animal. On the boat? Think about that. How many of you can get your dog to do what you want it to do? A dog, just one dog. That and, the do- and the dog is, by the way, the greatest animal on the planet. Am I wrong? Think, think about telling a couple cats to get on the boat. <laughs> cats are like, water? I ain't getting on that boat, right? The cats don't do stuff like that. And then you got to get all these other animals on the boat, and then, and then who's going to clean it up? You know, a lot of mess on the boat. This is what God's asking Noah, and we're just six chapters into the Bible. God's asking Noah to do this. By the way, it says in the end times will be like the days of Noah, so you better start learning how to build an ark. I don't know what all that means. Do you, you? We should start learning how we're going to build an ark uh, to, to save ourselves from God's judgment because that's what the flood was. So Noah got the ark built, and how did, how did this get accomplished? Did Noah have to do it or did God do it for him? Noah had to do it. Our, don't take this as, an, as a rebuke. I'm rebuking myself. How many of us are praying for God to do everything? Um, anybody ever heard T.D. Jakes before? Okay, T.D. Jakes said something the other day that I thought was pretty cool. He's like, God created the trees, but he never built a table and chairs. Meaning, we're, he gave us all the stuff, but we still have work to do ourselves. We're the ones building table and chairs, but he gave us all the supplies, all the stuff to do it with, okay? And so sometimes God will call us to do something, and there's a reward coming, but it requires work, requires us to do something to do something. Some of us, some of us don't want to work, right? I mean, we just praying for God to like make everything happen. I know people that, um, I'll just be real with you. Can I be real? All right. You guys can make more noise too. Um, I know some of you were watching the Cavs game making more noise yesterday, so you can make more noise. But if I'm going to be real, I got to tell you that I think God operates a lot more often when things don't seem right. When they just don't seem right. A lot of Christians are praying and they're like, well, I don't, feel, I don't feel peace here. Well, you know who gives false peace sometimes? The enemy does. And sometimes things aren't going to feel right and that's why you do them for the Lord. You might feel like, well, there's a lot of pain here so it must not be God." God operates best in pain. I've been through a lot myself. Some of you have. And sometimes God operates best in pain, operates best in the valley. And sometimes pain in the valley is ordained by God because it makes us stronger. Anybody here ever work out in a gym? You want big biceps? You want big arms? You want to look really good? You're not going to go to the gym one time. You're going to keep going back. And you're going to keep going back. And you're going to keep going back. And some of us may diet different. Some of us, I said, Joey, Um, may diet different. Some of us may do different things, but we want to look a certain way. We want to be a certain way. We want to change our lifestyle. Why would we think Christianity is any different? That we don't have to go to the gym every day, that we don't have to eat right, that we don't have to do those things. We do. We do have to do those things. Um, One of my biggest pet peeves is when um, people are telling me things. Now, I'm not going to, how am I going to say this? i got to filter this in such a way that you won't throw things at me. Um, I'll say it this way. i got a lot of friends in my life that will text me and ask me biblical questions. And I'm like, you read. You Google. You search. I had to. Like Sometimes I feel like maybe that's not my proper response or the way it should be. But somebody has got to, like, when a mom is teaching her kid to walk, or dad is teaching their child to walk... You you, don't you prod it a little bit and then and then don't you set a goal like you stand 10 feet away And you say come on and then when the child falls down, what do you do? You encourage it to get back up and try again So at some point I don't I don't want to find everything for you You find it for yourself Scripture says dig and you will find you know your own bible. I can't go get manna for you You got to get your own manna So sometimes lately i've been telling some of my friends that that rely on me to find everything for them because they started an argument at work A non-Christian's at work and they're like, Pastor Bart, I need you. You know, this guy said this, this guy said that. And I'm like, I'll check it tomorrow, (laughs) right? You go find for yourself. But that's what God sometimes calls us to do. Sometimes God puts us in a situation because he knows that we're going to actually do something great, but we don't know we're going to do something great. We don't know how we're going to handle it, but God knows. What I'm saying is you might not know how great you are. But God knows exactly how great you are. You might be like, well, God's got it wrong because I know all my hidden secrets. Guess what? That's why he died on a cross, because you thought your secrets were hidden. He died on a cross because he's in love with you, and you thought your secrets were hidden. They're not. They're not. Otherwise, 2,000 years ago, he wouldn't have wasted his time. He came because he's in love with people. He's in love with you, even if you got filthy, dirty sins. Even if you sin tonight. Even if you walk out the door and sin, he's in love with you, right? Isn't that good enough news, right? Isn't that unrealistic? Because we date people, we're married to people, we've got parents. Um, and, and, and sometimes love is very conditional, right? But it is unconditional love with the Lord. You cannot offend this guy so much that he just doesn't want anything to do with you. Matter of fact, he turns it up. He's like, Bart's in the valley. "Mm, Watch this. I'll get right in there with him. And then I'm like, leave me alone. Don't you ever do that? Now listen, let me get real, 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 super real with you. So a lot of times, like we get all these Christianese terms because we speak a new language. We speak a language, right, in church that only we understand, but you talk to your unsafe friends. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's our terms. Well, a lot of times we backslidden or we fall flat on our face or we do the things the flesh wants to do. And isn't that when Jesus really shows up? Like all of a sudden, maybe some of you young people or older people or whatever, you find yourself in a place you shouldn't be, and you go to use the restroom, maybe it's a bar or whatever. You go to use the restroom and you look in the mirror and all of a sudden it's not you looking back at you, it's Jesus. And you're like, oh, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Or you're in a situation you should not be in, right? And guess who's there with you? That, 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 anybody ever seen Tom and Jerry? I, I learned about this watching Tom and Jerry. Tom catches Jerry, right? And he's been trying for 700 episodes to catch Jerry. And he finally catches Jerry by the tail. Boom. And then poof, the bad, the, the devil. Tom has the devil. He's got the red horns and the pitchfork. And by the way, that's not how the devil looks. He probably looks more like a preacher, honestly. But got red horns and a pitchfork. And he's like, <clears throat> go ahead and eat Jerry, man. You've been, you've, been, you've been trying to eat Jerry for a long time. It's time to feast on the mouse. And then what happens on the other shoulder? Poof, an angel. Don't eat, Jerry. Look how cute that mouse is. It's all about the chase, you know. That's what conviction is. Sometimes in the valley, don't that happen when your spirit and flesh are in a battle? Your spirit and flesh is in, which is very unrealistic, right? Because you're like, where'd this conviction come from? I wasn't convicted before Jesus. Well, you're convicted now because he's inside of you, right? The spirit's inside. And so all of a sudden we're in a situation and your flesh is going, come on, it's your time. And then uh, the Spirit's like, huh, no, 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 we're not doing that. I'll ruin it for you. The Spirit ruins a good time sometimes. Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. I, said, I say often that Jesus ruined my life. Somebody needed to because I was going down the wrong path. And when I got Jesus, He's like, I got a new path. It's like, what about this one? He's like, no, I got a better one. And so finally, someone ruined that life that I had. But here's another thing. Sometimes he asks us to do things once we become a Christian. Like I said, that seems silly, right? <clears throat> I'm a big guy. Back in the day, I like to rumble a little bit. I was the youngest cousin. I was the youngest brother. I got beat up on so much that finally when I went to school, I was like, somebody my size wants to fight? All right. I didn't care if they were a girl. I was like, come on, let's get... <clears throat> can, can There was a girl, Stacy, in the second grade. That rhymed my name with something that wasn't pleasant, and my name's Bart. (laughs) And we were on a merry-go-round. I'm just telling you, Stacy went down that day. I got in big trouble, have not touched a girl since. I got in big trouble. But I'm just telling you, when I was in school, and I was in a country school, somebody wants to throw down, we're going to throw down, right? But then all of a sudden, you get Jesus in your life, and God will test you right in that area. And I, I, honest to goodness, remember exactly when I was like, what is happening to me? I was, at, I was at a filling station in West Liberty. And somebody that totally, totally should have punched me in the face did. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was a, I was, I was a rumbler. I, was, I probably deserved every bit of it I got. But this kid, this guy saw me. And I was pumping gas and he just come up and sucker punched me, busting my tooth out. But, but listen, a month and a half before I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that happened and I was like, what'd you do that for? <laughs> what'd you do that for? It's like, what'd you do that for, man? And it got super awkward. <laughs> because I didn't fight back. I didn't even want to fight back. Something happened in me that I was like, that's not how we handle things. That guy ended up becoming one of my best friends after that. Ended up baptizing him and his kids. But isn't that crazy? That God takes something so ridiculous and that was a test and that test preached later. Like, I didn't know that was going to preach 10 years later, but it did. And sometimes God can put us in this situation that we might not understand. Why are we going through this, God? Why am I going through this? Why is someone punching me in the face while I pump gas? And God's like, just see what I do. Just see what I do. God can work in crazy ways, right? And it's our flesh. It's our flesh. Ab and Eve ate the fruit, right? But what was the result of that? Jesus dying on a cross. God can make marvelous things occur because of complete disasters. Where we look at it and go, we really messed everything up forever. For all of eternity, we messed it up. And Jesus goes, but I'll make it good. I'll make it good. Some of you may have come in here this morning thinking, I've completely messed up my marriage. I've completely messed up my household. I've messed up my job, my work, my whatever. Jesus can make it good. You've not messed it up so much that the Lord can't fix it. There's a reason that Jesus was a carpenter. He fixes broken stuff. That's what he does. He takes stuff and makes it new. I've learned this much. You get as much God as you want. You get as much God as you want. You don't want to read your Bible? That's how much God you're going to get. You don't want to get on your knees and pray? That's how much God you're going to get. You don't want to consecrate yourself to Christ, that's how much God you're going to get. You don't want to refrain from drinking alcohol too much, that's how much God you're going to get. You want to keep smoking things you shouldn't smoke, that's how much God you're going to get. You want to keep fornicating, that's how much God you're going to get. That's why Paul says, I die to myself daily because my flesh wants things that are not good. But the spirit inside of me, that wants things that are good. And I want to do things that are good. Don't you want to do things that are good? Don't you want to see revival? Like, not just in this church, but across the street, at the neighbor's house, down the road, in Mechanicsburg, in Champaign County, and spread from there. Don't you want to see revival? If you want to see revival, guess where it starts? On your knees. On your knees. And this is what happens with Joshua. In, in, the, in the story of Joshua and Jericho, I think, it's, I think it's fascinating. Because in Joshua chapter 6, something really crazy happens. And this is why I was talking about getting punched in the face. I'll read it. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven days. Priest shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now, I just read that, and you thought, that sounds pretty, man. How great is our God. What if God said, I want you to go to war with a trumpet and just yell? What? A trumpet and just yell? These people, this is a big army. I'm going to go with a trumpet and just yell. You know what that means? That means pray. That means call upon me. The trumpet is not scary, right? But you know what the ram's horn is and the trumpet is? That's calling upon God. That's calling upon the angels. That's, calling, that's a sound that we make when we're calling on, on, on like, um, our, anybody ever been in a situation? Oh, let me tell you this story real quick. I'm sorry. This goes with this. My sister, her name is Ada May. My sister's tough. Ada May Zirkle. Well, she was born with developmental disabilities, I never knew this because Ada's Ada. That's my sister. Love her to death. Well, Ada was strong. And now my older brothers, remember I told you the story in the beginning. This makes sense now. My older brother, Eddie, he's like, by the way, if he knew I called him Eddie, he'd be mad. Ed, because he's grown now. My brother, Eddie, paid a kid named Shane 25 cents to fight me because he wanted me to be strong. This is the. This is truth. This is truth. So he pays Shane 25 cents to fight me. Shane was two years older than me. Shane comes down and is beating me up in the backyard, and that's how we learned stuff in West Liberty. So Shane's beating me up, and my brother made it happen. I don't know what's happening in my life. You know who runs out my back door and beats up Shane? My sister, Ada May.
2: <laughs>
1: She's like, get off my brother. And she beat him up. Shane's mom came down. and my, By the way, my dad knew all this happened. Shane's mom come down to the house, knocked on the door, and she's like, somebody beat up my son. And he's like, yeah, my daughter. My daughter beat up your son. See you later. Right? And, 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 that's, and she's still that way. I'm still afraid of my sister. I'm still afraid of my sister. But I feel like, I feel like, amen, I feel like when we blow the ram's horn, I feel like when we shout and blow the ram's horn, God's like Ada May and busts through that fence and starts helping us. When we call upon the Lord, he shows up, right? The problem is sometimes we don't call upon the Lord. Sometimes we try to take care of it ourselves and you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Even the small things, the small things God wants to take care of for you. The small things, right? And so that's what Joshua's doing here. He's being obedient. He's like, God's saying, march around the city for six days on the seventh day, go around seven times, and then blow the ram's horn and shout. And that's how he took Jericho. Not with, not with big weapons, not with swords, with obeying the Lord. Just simple obeying the Lord with trumpets and with shouting, with our voice. That's what's happening up here, right? That's what our worship is. Yeah, we're bringing it. Now, you can have your hands in your pockets. You can do whatever you want. I don't care how you do it. I care how I'm doing it before the Lord. And so I want to praise the Lord. I want to worship the Lord. I want to see what he does when I bring a ram's horn, when I bring the trumpets, when I'm shouting. I want to see what he does. And he will show up, and he is good. So that's a little unrealistic thing to ask Joshua to do with Jericho, but it gets even better. It gets even better, right? So Jesus is born, right? And uh, here's what's super unrealistic: Mary has to go back and be like, "Hey, Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant," and Joseph is like, "Mm-hmm. Yeah, whose is it? It's God's. Okay." right now how many of you come on we kind of we tend to like read stories in scripture and don't slow down to 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 hear the absurdity in it mary has to go and tell her soon to be husband she's with child but how god did it god did it so it took an angel showing up to do some things in joseph's life for him to say okay well I'm on board with this. And then they had to run and hide. And they had to have Jesus in a cave. And, and then all of a sudden his life is. But, but Jesus' life is crazy. It is tremendous. And one of the things that happens in Jesus' life is when the lame man is, is healed. Because this is how it went. It's in John chapter 5. I'll read through it here real quick. It says, after this, there was a feast of Jews, and and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, verse 2. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, which means house of mercy or flowing water, having five porches, three. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people. So by the way, if Jesus returns, where is he going? He's going to where the sick people are right? He's going to where people need a physician still, uh, waiting for the movement of the water. Verse four, for an angel went down at a certain time into a pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So people, lame people, people that were sick, people that needed healing would wait by this pool until an angel would show up and stir. Already unrealistic, right? Already we're like, what are you waiting on? An angel to stir this baby up? Okay. Sounds crazy. I got you. Uh, So now a certain man, verse 5, so now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. So for 38 years, this man was sick. Now, anybody ever seen a grown man with the flu for one week? (laughs) Some of you wives are like, I got it. I understand. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I've just battled cancer since August 2017. The flu is worse. <clears throat> when I get the flu, I am a baby. I am the biggest baby. I don't know. How, I don't know. I, I couldn't put it together at first because I got cancer and I handled it okay. But I kept going in my mind going, why do I handle the flu so terrible? I, I, I don't know why that is. But for one week we have the flu. Right, This guy's sick for 38 years. 38 years. Some of you aren't even 38 years old. 38 years this man is sick, waiting by this pool for the water to be stirred up and him to be the first one in. Now, how many of you, be honest, would have given up? Right? Nobody's raising their hand. I pray for liars today. <clears throat> all of us, all of us, I would, I would assume would struggle with wanting to give up in that situation. Some of us go through far less and we want to give up. You know, that's why a divorce rate is so high. Because it's hard, it's difficult, and sometimes difficult things we want to quit. And, and this, is, this is what occurs. This is what's crazy. Verse 6, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? You might think that's a stupid question, but have have you ever dealt with addiction before? Have you ever ministered to lost and hurting people and lost and hurting souls? Have you ever ministered to a homeless man or woman on the street? Have you ever tried to help people that don't want help and you're like, don't you want to be made well? Sometimes Jesus is saying, don't you want to be made well? I can put marriages back together, I can save your lost children. I can do all these things. Don't you want to be made well? And so here's this man, 38 years. Don't you want to be made well? Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps before me. A good excuse. Aren't we great at excuses? When the Lord calls us to something, all of a sudden it's like, Well, that time has passed. God called me to this when I was a young man, but now I'm too old. God, God called me to this while I was a young girl, but now I'm too old, or God wanted this, and now that has passed, or God wanted... No, if God's called it, he's not done. You might be done. He's not done. He is not done. He does not mess up. God does not mess up. If you're called, who's going to uncall you? Who? Nobody. Nobody. I can tell you this much. Bart Zirkel to this day does not care what anybody thinks of him as long as the Lord thinks good of him. I don't care. And you shouldn't either. Whatever the Lord calls you to do, blame it on him. God, you called me. Let's do this. Make it happen, Lord. Open doors, close doors, do what needs done. But I'm going to rely and I'm going to trust you. So it's part of, part of it is just believing God, just believing him. So Jesus said to him, listen, this is crazy. This guy... <laughs> This guy gives God an excuse, gives Jesus an excuse. And then Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Is that impossible for this man? It is impossible. He just asked this man to do the impossible. The impossible. And this man has good excuses. He's been sick for 38 years. Okay, he just asked him to do the impossible. Now here's here's the struggle that's going on right now. Some of you believe this book and some of you don't. It's either true or trash, one of the two. So you have to decide within your own heart, am I wasting my time on Sunday mornings or do I want more Jesus? Because if I want more Jesus, I'm going to believe what this book says even when it gets absurd. Okay. And so if a 38-year-old paraplegic person is sitting by this pool and God so be it wants to heal him, I'm in. I'm in. I want part of that. And so pick up your mat and walk. And this is what happened. Immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. So we understand that this story is unrealistic, but how did this get accomplished? Jesus ordered him, pick up your mat and walk. What if that man did not pick up his mat and walk? There's always something required of us, God's not just going to enforce himself on your life. We have to be what's called obedient. Faith without works is dead. You have to do something. You have to do something. Gets even better. John chapter 9. I'm almost done. I promise. You guys are probably going to Bob Evans or something, but they stay open really late. I promise. Okay? Um, So John chapter 9, blind man story, right? It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. That means this man had never seen before. Blind from birth, okay? Uh, And his disciples asked him, rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned that this man and his parents uh, had this type of child? Who, Who sinned? Who sinned? Because he's blind from birth, and it must have been sin that caused this problem. That's that's not how God works. By the way, if you ever hear anything like that, this is how this works. Chapter 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Sometimes we get infirmities, sometimes we go through valleys, and sometimes we go through junk just so God can show off. Do you understand that? Sometimes we go through stuff so God can be like, watch what I do now. Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. And when they came and said, Lazarus died, Jesus said, good, read it. I didn't write it. He did. You know why he said good? Because he knew pretty soon Lazarus was going to hop out of a tomb and be made well, and people were going to believe in God. He believed his father. That's what's going on here the blind the blind man so jesus answered uh, neither this man nor his parents verse 4 i must work the works of him who sent me while in its day the night is coming when no one can work as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world is jesus still in the world today sure he is cuz he said i got to go but i'm sending you something better i'm sending you something powerful i'm sending you something good so, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground. By the way, think about this. Put yourself in the blind man's position. He spits on the ground, makes clay with the dirt. Gross, right? They do these things in, in Milford Center. And uh, <clears throat> usually I say Mechanicsburg, but I'm here. <clears throat> and they make, sorry. They make clay. He makes clay, and then he rubs it on the eyes. And that's how the man is made well. Because sometimes God doesn't have to do it the way you think is right. God doesn't have to do it the way you think it needs to be done. He'll do it however he wants. And sometimes it might look really crazy. You mean to tell me you're going to spit and make mud and put it on my eyes? If Jesus would make you well by doing that, would you take it? This is where Peter says, well then wash all of me, not just my feet. Wash all of me because I want whatever you got, Jesus. And that's what we want with our lives. We want whatever the Lord has. But I got to be real with you about a couple things as I close. <clears throat> God will make a way. It even says in scripture where there seems to be no way. Am I right? Does it say that? So if he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way, there should be nothing holding us back when Jesus fed the 5,000, by the way, there was 5,000 men there. It says men only. There were women there and children there too. So there was, at, there was probably 15,000 people at this place. And, and the disciples, that would be us, Joey, we were like, <clears throat> Jesus, we should send them home because they're probably hungry. And what'd Jesus say? Anybody know? He said, you feed them. What? What? This is how crazy Jesus is. He put 12 guys in charge of the largest potluck ever. (laughs) Now, I understand. I know enough to know that 12 guys in charge of a potluck at the largest church in the world, it ain't happening. And it took a boy to get it done. The disciples started panicking. You got a dollar? I mean, we got to go to town. Somebody's got to order pizza. KFC's open. Everybody brings chicken to the potluck. And, And they're like... And, and what's a covered dish? Never heard of that before. And uh, so they're, they're deciding what they're going to do, and all of a sudden this boy's like, hey, <clears throat> I got a couple fish and some bread. Absurd. That is ridiculous. We're going to feed 15,000 people with two fish and f- some bread particles? And what'd Jesus do? Anybody know? He multiplied it. He fed people with that, with what a child brought, why the, the church leaders were struggling a child's like, I got this. It just took someone believing, I got this. And Jesus is like, all right, I'll anoint this. I'll pass the anointing up on these 12 that didn't want to do it. And I'll anoint this kid in his belief and his faith. And that's how the 5,000 got fed. Don't let the anointing pass you by. If you, I'm telling you, I did not waste my time coming here today. If you want your marriage healed today and it needs healed today, Jesus can do it today. If, you need, uh, if you've need, if you got a, a, a someone part of your family, whether it's a son or a daughter, and they have strayed, I believe my scripture says, bring a child up in the Lord and they will not depart from you. They may go a distance, but pretty soon they're going to be running across the field just like the prodigal story, and you're going to meet them halfway and you're going to love them like they never left, right? God can restore that today also. God can start doing a work today. It might not get done today, but he's ready if you're ready, Right? That's why we're here. We're here to have church, participate. Don't be just hearers only. What a waste of time. What a waste of time just to clock in and out of church, right? I want something to happen. I want something great to happen. So we're going to open uh, this up, Pastor Joey and I, for prayer. But I want to tell you how powerful I think prayer is. On August uh, 8th, I got diagnosed with stage 3B colon cancer. And I felt like Rocky Balboa immediately. Anybody know about Rocky Balboa? He never loses, <clears throat> Right? And so I was like, all right, God, you must have something good. This must be why cancer decided to pick on me. This was right after my dad passed away, one of my best friends. So I was like, all right, God, this must be a good thing that you've got going for me. And you can ask all my friends. I've never once whined about it. I've whined about my friends whining about it, but I've never once whined about it. So I was like, all right, God, <clears throat> what are we going to do here? So this is the little things I'm talking about. So I started going through chemotherapy. Anybody here ever been through chemo? Yeah. Yeah stupid chemo. And so uh, I was going through chemotherapy and uh, they're like, Bart, you're going to lose your hair. And anybody that knows me, I ain't losing my hair. So I started praying. I said, pray about little things, right? And I was like, Lord, I'd like to keep my hair. I'm just praying that I keep my hair God, Sounds silly, right? Here, I should be praying, God, heal me of cancer. And I'm like, Lord. My brothers are bald. They are. It skipped me. My brothers are bald, Lord, and I'd like to keep my hair. I'm not married yet. I'd like to keep this at least for a little bit. <laughs> and, and I kept my hair. And I would go back in, to my doctor, doc, Dr. Sabog, in, in Kettering, he's my chemo doctor, and he's like, very good. You've, he, he's bald. He's like, I lose my hair through osmosis. Meaning he gives me chemo and he lost it. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Uh, And and then it was little things like that. There would be points where I would say, God, I want to feel well today because I want to tell somebody about how good you are. I'm not playing. I would go, there's a friend I have, Barbara, and Barbara has a liver disease and it's it's terminal. And I haven't seen her in three years. And I said, God, I want to visit her today. This is the only day that I'm going to be able to visit her, but it was the day after I got chemo. And I, had the, I have the port, and then I have my, they t- you take a bag home for a couple of days too, full of chemo and blah. And so I'm walking around with this bag, and I found out that she was at Roosters in Marysville. And so I popped through Roosters in Marysville, and I'm able to love on her and share with her the love of Christ. And that would not have happened if, crazy enough, I felt great that day. And it's the little things. And then it's like, God, if it's your will that I live this life, and if it's your will that I talk about you uh, for a long, long time, and if it's your will uh, that, that I continue in serving you, then I would like to live this life so I would like healed of cancer. I'd like healed of that. And I understand not everybody completely gets healed of cancer. But I know this verse that said, all things work for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so sometimes there are people that don't make it through the battle with cancer, but boy, they leave a legacy and a testimony. And this is why I fight hard because of people that I know from my own family that fought and fought and fought and and, and eventually went home to be with the Lord. And I'm like, anybody, uh, anybody ever heard of a PET scan? So that's one of those things where they scare you for a week and you have anxiety. So you get this scan, this first scan, and it's like, okay, you have colon cancer, but then we got to do this bigger scan to see if it's anywhere else. And you don't get to have the results for a week. So I didn't think anything of it, right? And then the next day came and I was like, oh, what if it's, what if it's somewhere else? Oh, I have a pain right here. So, Or you, some of you know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden you're calling your doctor up. Hey, you got the results yet? And, uh, and, and then your doctor's on vacation, which, true story happened. <clears throat> and I'm like, can somebody call him? Uh, and then finally, I get the results. But before I got the results, this is exactly how the Lord works and exactly what happened. I'm telling you right now that cancer is the best thing that ever happened in my life. And this is why. Because during that week, I got on my knees and I consecrated myself with Christ and I made a decision that God, if you take me today, I'm all right. But if I'm going to live, then I'm going to make it very difficult for the devil. So whatever you want, I'm in. And I'm content and I'm happy. And so as I went through uh, surgery December 5th, Pastor Joey showed up. As I went through a surgery January 9th, as I had to go back because of complications, which is just God going, ha, watch this. <clears throat> All of a sudden, I'm in remission and I'm cancer-free. To, right. Great work by the doctors, right? But we all know this. Um, I've heard for the last few weeks, cancer doesn't discriminate. There are people that went through all the same preachers, all all the same steps, all the same everything I went through that did not make it. So I thank the Lord that he saw fit that I keep going. And if I keep going, you're here, right? Are you here? (laughs) You're here for a reason, You're here for a reason. So, Pastor Joey, come on up. And Pastor Joey and I and and whoever uh, he feels led, we want to pray for you. And I know that uh, some of you will have to go and that's fine. But we want to pray for you because I want to make sure that if you come in here broken today, that you have an opportunity to come up here and have hands touched on you and prayer for you because I don't want you to leave broken and you don't have to. You don't have to do that. So, if you would bow your head, I'll start off in prayer. And the worship team is going to lead some music, but let's bow our heads. Father, you are so good, God. You don't need us to tell you you're good, Father. You're automatically good. Thank you for Genesis, God. Thank you for picking up that clay. In making me and forming me and breathing the breath of life in me, I understand from that moment in Scripture on, you are in charge, God. You do not need my approval or anybody else's approval to be God. So, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to fall down upon this place, God. I know that you're already here, but I pray, God, that even the stubbornest of hearts would open up to you right now in Jesus' name, God. Lord, if there be people here with broken marriages, if there be people here going through turmoil, God, with disease or whatever, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would understand and hear you calling right now, God, just like in the valley. When we're in the valley and when we're struggling and when we're hurting, God, we call upon your name, God. Nobody is here by accident today, God. You designed it. And they might say, yeah, I got in my car and I drove here and I filled my car up with gas, so I did it all on my own. God, that's stupid, You make a way, God. You're the reason we're here, Lord. So I pray even beyond our stupidity, God, just like Zacchaeus just being a nosy man climbing a tree, God, I pray that you look upon Zacchaeus right now, which would be all of us, and you say, come down from that tree, Zacchaeus. I'm going to fellowship with you today. Father, if anybody be in here that doesn't know you, I pray they would leave here knowing that just like Joey and I in Starbucks, that I just meet my best friend. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we open up this altar now as you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. Please come forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good. Uh-huh.